2: That's solid.
1: That's not veneer. That's solid stuff.
0: Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
2: Welcome everyone to episode one twenty-five of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today we're going to talk about the top contenders in the NBA and if we're nervous about them heading into the playoffs. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And until the end of the month, we're being hosted on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at Sports and for their NBA stuff at FRS Hoops with a Z. Again, a reminder that come next week, we will be hosted somewhere else. So subscribe however you are doing it already, uh, iTunes or whatever Android app you use, because after Monday we will not be on FanRag. With all of that said, joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? I can't
0: wait. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back to school styles for kids and baby. Get flip flops for two bucks, graphic tees for four bucks, shorts for six dollars, and jeans for eight dollars. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid size prices just two, four, six, and eight dollars. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and Old Valid $7.29 to 8 11 select styles excludes
2: in-store
1: clearance for creed 2 <laughs>
2: you finally got
1: through all of the rockies oh not not finally we just forgot to talk about it last time i saw every movie from rocky one to creed yep. um one movie every night
2: yeah
1: i just went through it um so yeah that was something that I was a week you. yeah uh yeah uh I, I never want to see rocky five ever again
2: no, Rocky Five is terrible. I, I warned yeah. you about that one. You
1: did I, absolutely, yeah. but I had to. You know, you, yeah, you right. You just right, right. you have to. But you but, had
2: the you had the benefit of knowing that that wasn't the final Rocky. At least, like, imagine people. Well, I oh forget my when that came out, but like, you live with that for like 20 Nineteen ninety, like, Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so like fifteen <laughs> years, you're like, is that the last time we're going to see Rocky? Like that travesty of a movie. Yeah. Yep. So at least you only had to w- wait one night to see him come back and return to glory
1: yeah no it was it was interesting next up you know is rambo because i've never oh, actually yeah. i i haven't I, I just was never on this sort of alone wagon at any yeah. point so uh, I, I have to see if there's a streaming service out there in denmark that delivers all the, the rambo flicks <laughs> if not i might have to go shopping now yeah. i know i just want to get through it so i can add that to my imdp page <laughs> That yeah. makes sense. And oh, speak,
2: yeah. speaking of Philadelphia Heroes, Mort, that's a great way to transition. Before we talk about the top contenders, we need right. to talk about the big news from Monday, <clears> the out-of-the-blue <throat> <throat> news from Monday. Markel Fultz, after missing 68 games with the shoulder injury that sidelined him since October, made his return to the Sixers. Mm-hmm. He played 14 minutes, had 10 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds. Mort, you said you you caught the game... Uh, did you watch it while it was happening or this morning
1: no I, I saw it while it was happening oh, but man. I I didn't catch all of it I caught the first half and then I got too damn tired to, yeah. to carry on <laughs> and then I saw highlights in the morning Nice. Um, and, and yeah I mean he had that one airball in mm-hmm. the airball jumper in the first half yep. where you were like uh oh <laughs> mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of where I left off with him okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I returned in the morning and saw his stat line and saw the highlights, I was like, oh, good on him for having a much better second half. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, that, I mean, the first jumper, at least the form looked good. That Like, that was more what I wanted to see. I didn't really care mm-hmm. if the shots went in. It was more like, does he still have that weird little elbow hitch? So, yeah, yeah he took the one jumper in the first quarter, I think, like, pretty quickly after he... Uh, he subbed into the game with about three minutes left in the first and his first possession, he turned the ball over, but he, again, it was like a nice aggressive move trying to go to the basket. Hmm. Um, and then that didn't sap his aggressiveness moving forward. Like I was afraid that he would have like one bad turnover and miss like air ball, one jumper, and then would just go into his shell. Right. But no, he, I mean, he stayed aggressive the whole night, which was great to see. So yeah. What are your overall takeaways from what you saw out of faults Monday and what it means for the confidence moving forward,
1: confidence, confidence, confidence. I mean, when you attack the basket, you have to assume that there's no fear in him because he might get fouled. Everyone mm-hmm. knows that attacking the basket could mean or could lead, sorry, to free throws. Yep. And I think that's a huge step because as you saw, like you, you had guys previously in the NBA who could not shoot free throws and who would just stay on the perimeter and take, very uh, unconsisted jump shot and just did not want to get near the foul line and Foltz to his credit was like nope f that i'm gonna attack <laughs> yeah. which i i really like but i do have one more one question that doesn't uh surround falls here but but it's just so crucial did we find have we have has anyone located jj Redick's body yet <laughs>
2: what what happened to jj
1: Oh, did you did you not see that Jamal Murray absolutely murdered him?
2: Oh no, I was too busy watching Joel Embiid. I forget who he did it over. Oh, okay. He, he had a murder
1: dunk late in the game. Oh yeah, Jamal Murray just oh. just cramped so hard <laughs> on JJ. It was it? beautiful. <laughs> well,
2: Fultz got him back with a little chase down block in the third now fourth quarter, I believe, mm. early in the fourth. Uh, but, yeah, oh. I mean, I, I think you're spot on, Mort, the, the confidence there. You're, yeah, like, you're talking about guys who are afraid to get to the free throw line. I think of, like, Rajon Rondo right away. You know, guys who, oh, would, yeah. like, pass up open layups because he was like, oh, shit, I'm going to get fouled, and I, I'm not mm-hmm. going to do that. But, yeah, the, you know, Fultz is, like, he was a little out of control, especially at first... But that's to be expected. Like he's a rookie point guard, set out
1: for sixty-eight games. Right, like he's playing
2: his fifth (laughs) NBA game. I'm not sweating that too hard. I I think you're you're right. The the confidence and the aggressiveness, and that saying the whole night was the biggest sign. More so than you know. Obviously, I'm encouraged by the fact his jumper doesn't look horrendous anymore. But yeah, I mean, more like the mindset that he played with last night. I think is the most promising sign moving forward. I hope he can keep it up, obviously. Um, You know, it seemed like his night was over. He played about, I think, five minutes in the, between the first and second quarter, and then about five more minutes between the third and the beginning of the fourth, and then Brett Brown pulled him out. Uh, You know, when he came in in the third quarter, it was a three-point game, and then when he came out five minutes later, it was a 15-point game. So he had a couple of layups during that, a few assists as well, like, he played a crucial role in you know, that that was a close game for three quarters. The Nuggets I think they had an eight point lead at halftime even. It looked like the Sixers were maybe gonna lose that one. And then he helped swing the tide. They end up winning by twenty. And <laughs> I think my favorite part of the game was with about three minutes left. You could just you hit first there was a we want false chant. But then All the people in Philly started doing the Vikings. They do the little skull chant where they they raise their arms and do that, which we appropriated with Nick Foles earlier in the year during the NFC Championship game. But then we went next level and started doing the skull chant with Foles. So then Brett Brown brought him back in. And I think that's where we really saw, you know, he hit a couple jumpers late in the game, including a Mm 20-footer, both of which... For whatever reason, Mason Plumlee was switched on to him, which yeah, that's that's certainly a coaching strategy. I don't know if it's a good one, but it's, <laughs> it is a strategy. Uh, but I'm encouraged by the fact that, you know, he saw that. He's like, this dude's not going to be able to keep up with me. So I'm just going to, you know, dribble to my spot and pull up without hesitation.
1: Yeah. Yep. So, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know what the hell happened in those 68 games and in the summer? I mean, at some point, we are bound to get a story out there that really details what happened because the the reports that we've had right now are very conflicting.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're ever going to get the full story there. Like, Kyle Newbeck of Philly Voice had a really good story back in mid-February, yeah, Yeah, um, which is... Honestly, I'm guessing that's the most detail we're gonna get out of him. I like faults after the game, a couple reporters asked him about the shoulder injury and he just didn't say anything. Um and uh, Stephen A. Smith and all of his blowhard glory put him on blast for that today, which whatever. Like I, I don't care. I mean Does you know... Stephen
1: A. Smith still, you know, exist? Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. If
2: a dumbass shouts in the wood, could anyone hear him? Mm. Um yeah, I, I don't really <laughs> You know, I would love to know the full details, but we're probably never going to find out. And if it if this is a blip on his successful 15 year career, I don't particularly care. Like, it's, <laughs> right? you know, ultimately it was, yeah. you know, it, yes, it was mostly a lost season, but the Sixers have still won now 43 games. I mean, they they've defied expectations right. really throughout the entire season. Um,
1: it just wouldn't be a philadelphia 76 rookie (laughs) right
2: yeah if he didn't miss a majority of his rookie season
1: apparently yeah Yeah. that's just tradition at this point i mean yeah look you wanted uh mikhail bridges i mean (laughs) poor mikhail ready to miss the entire first year (laughs) yeah
2: what freak injuries could afflict him in the next three months (laughs) it's a good question uh before we move on from fault somewhere what do you think His return means moving forward for the Sixers, who are, you know, they've already clinched a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. They're jostling for home court advantage, at least in the first round. Still could move up to the three seed if they beat Cleveland. Uh, They have a game in early April that will probably be a decisive move there. So, how much do you see Fultz helping them in the playoffs, if at all?
1: Oh, I mean, look, before Marco Bellinelli and Ursan Ilyasova came aboard, I think it's fair to call Philadelphia's Benz bench for absolute trash (laughs) yes Uh, it it was it was really bad so there was really no level of debt now you have bellinelli ilyasova who's given that bench a huge jump add markel falls to that second unit now you've got something now you've got some legitimate debt Um, not something that necessarily rivals toronto's debt no but it's not you know it's not dimensions off anymore
2: yeah I mean, right? The the bench before the All Star break was twenty-six. Atrocious. It was twenty-sixth in terms of points per game, and had a bottom ten net rating of minus three point two. So, they moved up slightly since Bellinelli Mm. and Ilyasova arrived, but they still were like league average to below league average. I think they were around league average in points, and then still a little bit below in net rating. Mm. And their biggest struggle has been. Shot creation, Because, you know, I love TJ McConnell, but because he's a limited shooter, teams don't necessarily respect him behind the three-point line that much. Yeah. I think faults. you know, Denver was giving him space. I think teams are probably going to adjust and force him. They're going to start playing him like Ben Simmons or like TJ until he can prove he can hit that open three-pointer. But, I mean, he, he just showed... The passing gifts he showed Monday night were... I mean highly encouraging like yeah. he hit I mean he had a behind the back dribble pass to NBA that led to free throws he hit Covington and Raddick for a couple of threes uh you know he had one like early early possession um where he like dribbled toward the hoop and did one of his little spin moves and realized like oh nope they walled that off pretty well but then Ersan Ilyasova was standing there 14 feet away so he just pass on the ball, Eliasova drained the jumper. So I think, if nothing else, Faults will help the bench avoid those long scoring droughts, which will be huge. Um, we'll talk about Toronto's bench in a little bit. In fact, you know, the bench in the playoffs probably isn't gonna get as much burn as it is during the regular season, particularly late in the regular season. But the Sixers have a ridiculously easy schedule over these final ten games. I think they only play they play Cleveland and Milwaukee, and then I believe Detroit as well. And those are the only three teams on their schedule that are not completely tanking. So, Fultz should have an opportunity to get some actual run in mm-hmm. these final ten games, get a little bit more comfortable. And like I, you know, I don't think he's going to move into the starting lineup by any means. Like the Sixers' starting lineup is one of the best. In the league, at least in terms of net rating, so Brett Brown knows that he's not going to shake anything up. But if you know, if, if Bolts can provide some extra punch off the bench, both as a scorer and a shot creator for him and others, yeah, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's going to hurt the Sixers. I think you know, I, I, I'm guessing Brown would have a pretty quick hook for him if he starts seeing him play recklessly. But if he plays like he did Monday night, <clears throat> it's only going to help. I think.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's the alternative?
2: Right, I, yeah, I, <laughs> Jared Bayless—that's the alternative.
1: Yeah, that's i mean, Bayless is probably going to be useful in the playoffs, but yeah, well, yeah. Right now, I just want to see development minutes anyway. Yeah, I, I feel as though Philly could actually try out a pretty, pretty nice secondary lineup with yeah. Foltz at the point, Belly at the two, TLC at the three, Urson at the four, and Rashawn Holmes at the five. I mean, that's not. I mean, look, that would beat the Bulls right now. <laughs>
2: That's true. I mean, uh, <clears throat> Rashawn is not getting that many minutes. Uh, I would guess Amir Johnson would be the backup five. I don't and... care. I want Rashawn. Yeah.
1: That's why I mentioned him I because know. I I feel Rashawn is a lot better than Amir Johnson, and I'm and I'm low key annoyed with Brett Brown for not playing my boy a little bit more.
2: You should be happy because that means he's going to get packaged with the number ten pick. It'll go to the Bulls for number eight, so they can take Mikhail Bridges.
1: Why should I be happy about that? He'll just end up playing behind Cristiano Felicio or something. <laughs> that's, that's that would that would be a horrible place to land.
2: That's true, but yeah, I mean they have. I, I think Justin Anderson didn't play Monday night, but he's played. Rel- I mean, he's played some spot, some key spot minutes off the bench as well. So hmm. yeah, I, I think Philly, if they weren't already. I think they are now, especially the first-round matchup, that no team's going to be excited to draw. So I'm, I'm pretty excited, obviously. It's been a surprising, great development in Philly for the past 24 hours. So uh, all good news there. More, We need to now switch our focus and talk about some of the top contenders that have not gotten as much good news as of late and i mean we have to start with the golden state warriors
1: are, are you saying that it's bad news learning that stephen curry is going to be out for the first round of the playoffs <laughs>
2: it is mildly bad news yeah so yeah. he he came back he missed six games because of that ankle injury came back friday against the hawks looked like steph curry and then Javale mcgee took a tumble in the third quarter right into steph's i believe it was his left knee he suffered a grade two MCL sprain. The Warriors initially announced that he would be reevaluated in three weeks. And at the time they made that announcement, it was on Saturday. The playoffs were starting three weeks from that day. Um, so, you know, it, reevaluated does not mean he was coming back at three weeks. It was just they're going to see how he's doing progress wise. And. Steve Kerr, a day or two later, followed up and said, look, Steph's not playing in the first round. It's just, you know, he, he didn't, like, officially rule him out, but he, he set the expectations that yeah. he is not mm-hmm. playing in the first round. It, a grade two MCL sprain usually takes about six weeks to recover from. So, yeah, I mean, he, not only will he probably miss the first round, but he's most likely going to miss some of the second as well. Um, they're also, you know, the Warriors we mentioned in recent episodes, that they're also banged up with their other stars. KD's got the rib injury, Klay Thompson has the fractured thumb, Draymond Green's nursing the pelvic condition, and now an illness. Oh, no, that... no,
1: Draymond is actually, I, I just saw this, Oh yeah, it's a treat. I know. Draymond Green, a variety of issues, <laughs> yeah. downgraded from probable last night to doubtful this morning.
2: Yeah, so there we go. We, we don't know what that variety is, but called uh, he needs rest before the playoffs. But all three of those guys should be back by the time the playoffs start. Steph is the only guy who we're assuming is going to be absent come mid-April. But Mort, how nervous are you about the Warriors now that, you know, assuming Steph missed the first round, do you think they're at risk of a first-round upset?
1: No, that's probably a little bit too aggressive, but it does make them human. Yeah. i feel um so whoever they end up meeting unless it's been written in stone yet i don't think so right
2: no no yeah no. they uh i mean they're they're gonna be the number two seed no two, matter what yes but number we seven have, yeah we have no idea i mean the, I mean, the pelicans that's utah
1: right now uh
2: yeah right? well the pelicans are fifth they're tied with the spurs at 43 and 31 the I mean, the Thunder only half game ahead of them at forty-four and thirty-one, and then Minnesota and Utah are both tied at forty-two and thirty-two. So it yeah,
1: but but if we stick with the current of Utah, right, who's got the league's I want to say best defense at this point in time? Um, <laughs> I mean, and without having the luxury of Curry around, mm-hmm. they could take two games, couldn't yeah.
2: they? I mean, I, I I this might be dumb. And, like, I fully acknowledge that this could go my face. But, like, I think, depending on who they draw, I do think without Curry, there's at least a road for them to be upset in the first round. And I agree that Utah is probably their worst matchup in terms of, like, who I would be most scared of if I'm a Mm -hmm. Warriors fan. Oh, yeah. I think if... I mean, I don't expect Kawhi Leonard to come back this year. And even if he does... you know he's missed so much time we just don't know what he's gonna look like he's not gonna be the Kawhi Leonard of old most likely like he's not coming back and playing 40 minutes a night so you know if I'm a Warriors fan ironically I'm rooting for the Spurs to fall to seven just because we've seen the Warriors demolish the Spurs without Kawhi before right I, you know, I at first I was like, well, Minnesota's interesting because you know Jimmy Butler's going to be back soon. He's had basically two months off to rest. But now I'm realizing, like, yeah, but the rest of the Timberwolves didn't. The rest of the Timberwolves have been <laughs> running to the ground in the meantime because Tibbs refuses to play his bench and has been playing Wiggins and Teague. Yeah, and, it's bad. And Towns really like forty plus minutes a game. So I <laughs> think. They're probably just going to be out of gas by the time the playoff starts. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, personnel-wise, you know, they have Butler and Wiggins to match up with uh, with Thompson and Durant. So, like in theory, on paper, like Jeff Teague would have an advantage over Quinn Cook. Um, you know, they, like theoretically, they would have the personnel to match up well with the Timberwolves or with the Warriors. I just think Tibbs says he, he he's just completely annihilated that team like they, they, they needed they needed a bench first of all and they just the you can tell those guys i mean they've the gibson's had comments um i forget who i think t had something this week where he's just like we need to have a bench like we're tired <laughs> yeah. we need a bench what are you doing it's kids? not good
1: this no. is what we're kind of alluding to here yeah
2: yeah so yeah i mean utah i would think would be the best chance of springing the upset if only cut like jay crowder and joe ingles can again that personnel wise that's a decent matchup against Klay kd that i don't know if the warriors have an answer for rudy gobert i mean you know
1: i will sasa sasa make sure to injure him i guess
2: right exactly like i think rudy gobert is gonna eat his lunch and then again you know Ricky Rubio is not an all star point guard by any means, but he's shown some like he, he's had the ability to really pop off for some points this year, and then Donovan Mitchell, who knows what we're gonna get out of him. So, like I if it's a Warriors Jazz first round series, I'm still picking the Warriors, but I don't feel yeah. good about it.
1: No. Um pretty much in agreement all the way through there. Yeah.
2: What about Let's assume they get through the first round. Then they're probably playing the winner. I mean, Portland is not locked into the three yet, but they have a two-game lead on the Thunder with, what, seven, eight games left? Like, they're they're more or less locked in. Um, Do you think Portland could spring an upset in the second round if Steph misses half of that series? I mean, I think...
1: You know, Portland is talking about going the distance because they're in that point right now where they, they, they're in a win-now situation. But I think this year might be the year before Portland catapults themselves into the whole Houston-Golden State area mm-hmm. because I think they're close. Yeah, um, And I think internally they will be fine if they just have a six-game series against Golden State. Mm -hmm. but with curry out i think though i think that kind of expectation changes if it it, like let's assume that curry is out for the entirety of the second round yeah then i don't think six games is good enough for him anymore then it's either seven games or or a flat-out win serious win yeah uh whether that's realistic is a different case but i mean you'll have to basically chase around dame and cj and not pay attention to everyone else because they're just so dynamic. Mm-hmm. And if Yusuf Nurkic gets going, which I'm kind of waiting for to happen a little bit more because it seems like he's underperformed this year. I mm-hmm. so I hope that the playoffs would mean like a fresh season for him, like a new start. Mm-hmm. Like there's no way that he doesn't eat Sasa's milkshake or <laughs> right. drinks, drinks his milkshake. It's yeah. called. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. Portland does need a bit a, a better bench. Like they had the, they were in a similar, they are in a similar situation as Philly used to be before Bellinelli and mm-hmm. and Sova and Fultz and all that. So they need some depth to pull it off. But mm-hmm. good lord, if their all their starters are producing, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and say they can't do it.
2: Yeah, I mean, because Alvaro Aminu was pretty inconsistent for most of the year, but he's really turned it on as of late. Same goes for Mo Harkless. You're right outside of shabazz napier evan turner there isn't mm. much production coming out of the bench i mean ed davis and zach collins have played well in spurts but yeah i mean it's gonna come down to that starting five i'd probably feel this may be dumb again but i'd probably feel more confident in utah springing the upset than i would portland um but i mean yeah,
1: because uh, of the defense
2: yeah but again yeah. like i i there's a road there at least i could see mm. it happening like that you know i'm basically asking all of these questions because i saw when the Ky- uh, when the curry news was announced i saw a lot of people saying well he's going to miss the first round but don't worry he'll be back for the second and i was like well what if there isn't a second like all of these teams in the west in that 3 through 8 race have basically been in the playoffs for a month like it's it's been win now since the all-star break basically so like they yeah, and
1: the warriors have not had that mentality going in Right,
2: so like they're conditioned for this type of atmosphere, whereas Mm -hmm. the Warriors are like they're all just banged up and they're gonna have to get back on the court soon. I mean, you know, chemistry is not a huge issue for them, but like I don't know, they they feel more vulnerable than I think most people seem to be willing to acknowledge. And again, they might just destroy whoever's in their path because. Kevin Durant might just go off for 40 a night, but it's, I just don't understand why we're like underrating the possibility of a first-round upset.
1: Okay, I'll just point something out here as well. So Damian Lillard, over the past 18 games, mm-hmm. which is a that's a pretty significant chunk of the season. Would you agree yep. with that? Yep. 30.8 points a game on just 20.7 shots. I mean, this dude, 92% from the line, get into the line damn near 10 times a game. Mm
2: -hmm. Only
1: two and a half turnovers in that time frame. I mean, he's playing MVP caliber basketball at this point in time. Yeah. And if that transitions into the playoffs and he delivers this type of production, like, you can't get away with Quinn Cook on on Dame or Sean Livingston. I mean, what do you do? KD? I mean... I, I'm not sure what you even do.
2: Yeah, I I don't know, and that's no offense to Quinn Cook, who's played well in Curry's absence. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: definitely, yeah, right.
2: But like, it's a fair question. I mean, I yeah, I really don't know.
1: You know, he could he could put fifty on you and yeah. win a game by himself.
2: Right. Same goes for CJ. Yeah,
1: technically, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's switch from the Warriors to the Rockets. Luckily, no huge injuries to report there. I mean, Chris Paul's been nursing a little hamstring injury, but it doesn't seem like it's all that serious. I think he's he was at least questionable to play Tuesday night against the Bulls. If I mean, if I'm the Rockets like why, why? <laughs> Don't bring him back. Just let him no. recover. the Bulls. Yeah. they're playing the Suns on Friday. No, just like this old... is a
1: holiday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, come
2: on. But I mean, otherwise, They have, they've lost, I think I looked this up yesterday Yeah, so they were 34 and, wait no They were 30 and 12 against the, they lost against the Clippers on January Mm. 15th They were 30 and 12 Since then, they have gone 30 and 2 Yeah Over the last two months of the season Their their only losses were a two-point loss at the New Orleans Pelicans And a three-point loss at the Toronto Raptors any concerns about this Rockets team going to the playoffs?
1: No, yeah. nope. I I'm pretty confident they'll make a lot of noise, and I maintain that they are they are the team's to beat at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, as as weird as it sounds,
2: yeah. Espe- I mean, yeah. especially with the Curry injury, for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and and maybe even without it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I know. We we both were saying Rockets and Warriors was closer than a lot of people were giving credit to mm-hmm. even before the curry injury but yeah i'm 100 percent with you rockets should be the favorites to win the nba finals
1: as of this moment um i mean yeah not not saying like they're bound to do it right just so we make it clear to people out there we're not saying that this is definite definitely going to happen but at this point they just they appear to be the better team they're yeah. hungrier as well i mean i I know that that's like an emotional stance that you can't quantify. Mm-hmm. But when, when when they were asked about the 60 wins, they were just like, I don't care. Yeah. We don't care. That's that's not important. Right. Screw, screw the 60 wins. I mean, championship.
2: You're not worried about Chris Paul having never made a conference finals. You don't think there's a curse. Oh, thing? come on. <laughs> screw
1: those curses and all that. Look, yeah. this time around, he has a center. Who right now is averaging fourteen and eleven and two blocks in just over twenty minutes, twenty seven minutes a game. Yeah. Look, Clint Capella is out of this world, and we do not talk enough about this kid. That's true. The thing is, though, like we were talking about, we had an episode in regards to restricted free agents because he's going to be a free agent this summer, mm-hmm. and like because of the setup that they have in Houston, he is awesome, but he needs to have these type of guards as cp3 and james harden to really be able to to utilize the open space that they provide so Mm -hmm. i doubt that anyone else is going to throw big money at him if they don't have like an all nba type point guard Mm -hmm. so i'm looking forward to houston just keeping this guy maybe a little bit cheaper than we expect and him just developing further into like the best damn center in the league
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I'm not going to go that far.
1: No, no, you know what I mean. Like in the ballpark of that because he's so good. I know, I know. That's blasphemy because Joel Embiid is there. I know Towns
2: and Cousins and Davis. Oh, but but
1: until Towns actually learns how to play defense, I'm not really concerned, Brian. Well, until Towns (laughs) stops
2: playing 45 minutes a game.
1: Plenty of time to learn defense, Brian. (laughs) I guess
2: so. Yeah, I mean, I guess the only concern about Houston on my end is like, we know what they're trying to do, right? You're, you you want to go offensively, you want to hit threes, and shots close to the basket. The Spurs had a formula last year where they guarded those two types of things very well and funneled. They, they just left mid-range shots open, and Houston refused to take them for much of that series. Luckily, now they have Chris Paul, who has made a career out of those shots. So I'm not, I was
1: just about to interrupt yeah, like, you and go with that. Yeah. So I'm not,
2: I'm not especially <laughs> concerned there, but... You know, I could see a team gumming up a game or two against them and forcing them to adjust. But mm. at this point, I would be very surprised if Houston at least did not make the conference finals. And as you said, Mort, I think they are they should be considered the favorites to win the NBA finals as well.
1: Mm.
2: Now let's move to the East, where we also, Ugh, like we Curry, also. we've got some bad news in Boston. Uh, Kyrie Irving... He left in a game on March 11th due to left knee soreness, missed a couple games. Then we got word that he was going to get a second opinion on his knee. uh, And then on Saturday, (laughs) like, like, like within hours of the Curry News, we also find out that Kyrie underwent a minimally invasive procedure to remove a tension wire in his left knee The wire was originally placed as part of the surgical repair of the fractured patella he sustained during the 2015 NBA Finals. The patella had fully healed, and the knee was found to be completely structurally sound. But he is expected to return to basketball activities in three to six weeks. And based on that wording, again, return to basketball activities does not mean he's going to be back playing, you know, suiting up in in a playoff game so we haven't gotten word you know the celtics unlike steve kerr have not definitively ruled him or effectively ruled him out of the first round but in my mind he's likely to miss the first round or at least much of it yeah i'm gonna ask the same question i did the warriors mort do you think the celtics are in danger of a first round upset oh yeah yeah oh
1: yeah yeah yep look if i'm boston I'm just looking at this season and going, whatever happens, that's fine. Yep. Like if they, theoretically, even if they get swept in the first round, mm-hmm. doesn't matter because yep. of all the injuries, just does not matter. Look at it as a gelling year, you know, all these new new guys coming together, and then next year when Gordon is ready and Kyrie is is ready, and they might have gotten Marcus Smart off their roster. <laughs> <laughs> which I think will help them eventually, mm-hmm. even though he is fantastic defensively. But at that price tag, I'm not sure that's going to be a, enough. Right. Uh, uh, then I just think next year is, is, the, is the better year to just look at it and go, you know, this is going to be the season where we really just become the the, the dominant force of the East. Yep. Because they've, then they've had a year. Everybody knows. Everybody, there won't be these tensions. Hopefully, Gordon Hayward doesn't go down again. And yep. Yeah. Uh, so, whatever happens. If they make the conference finals, good on them. If they lose four first games, fine. Mm-hmm. No problem.
2: Yep. Totally agree. Your thing about it doesn't matter at this point. Like, mm. Jalen Brown has turned out to be a very good player. Jason Tatum looks like a future all-star. Like, they, they got... You know, given the circumstances they were dealing with from opening night, I would say this season probably went better than anyone could have reasonably expected. They're 51 and 23 without Gordon Hayward. Like, they yeah. very well could have been flirting with 60 wins. I mean, hell, they're going to flirt with 60 wins already. Like, they could have been a 60 win team with Gordon Hayward in the lineup. So, yeah, I mean, ideally, Kyrie will come back and maybe they can make a run once he does. But right now, they're, you know, the, the, the race in the East is still cluttered as well. Right now the Bucks are seventh at thirty nine thirty four. The Heat are a half game behind them. And the Wizards are only a half or a full game up on the Bucks, so they could they could move up. Actually, I mean they're two and a half behind the Pacers, so the Wizards are probably gonna be sixth or seventh, but like yeah. one of those three teams, Washington, Milwaukee or Miami, is most yeah. likely playing Boston. Milwaukee would be an absolute nightmare matchup, but what I mean, they
1: though I'm so glad you mentioned them. Um, look, I had them as that as well, but when you look at their record yeah. and the ups, up and down season, I mean, how I'm is that the team in the league this year that's underperformed the most compared to expectations? I would say and talent, Charlotte, mo- Charlotte probably beats them you think so i mean look before the season i looked at milwaukee as going oh they could win 50.
2: yeah uh, yeah i think you and i both peg them as a top four team
1: yeah i mean look th- this team with that level of talent and they're 39 and 34 without you know Giannis missing a missing a lot of time like what he's, he's missed five games mm-hmm. chris middleton has not missed a single game eric letso has 62 games under his belt now after the trade I they're, mean, mi-
2: they're missing Rookie of the Year, Malcolm Brogdon, though.
1: They, that they are, <laughs> and they and they got Jabari Parker back pretty late. Yeah. So, obviously, yeah, there are some issues, but still, 39 and thirty four, I still expected a lot better. I yeah, really I did. Dance.
2: I did, too, but I think, you know, looking at them last year, they were kind of, they, they just floated along. We're in that same boat. They were 42 and 40, and then hmm. come the playoffs, like, they put a real damn scare in the Raptors in the first round. they
1: did but they didn't i mean they didn't win yeah and if this is that if that's the same situation this year i wouldn't be surprised if milwaukee's front office is going okay that's two years in a row where we've kind of floated about given someone it's scare in the first round but really haven't gotten ourselves further Mm -hmm. so i would i wouldn't be surprised if this disappointment of this season leads to some changes next year
2: yeah, I wouldn't either. I just think Giannis in the playoffs is terrifying, and no, no team. Should oh, Giannis be. is
1: terrifying regardless. Even right. when he's on sixty minutes, you're terrified because yeah. of at him. Like, yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, I mean, he's gonna own everything for the next ten years, right? So,
2: yeah, I mean, they, they've. You're right. They've definitely been inconsistent and have underperformed based on talent. But I think the talent is there for them to string together a pretty damn good series, especially with you know. Kyrie most likely out. Marcus Smart most likely out. Uh Eric Bledsoe, we don't talk enough about him too, but he's a damn good point guard, and I think he mm-hmm. would eat Terry Roger's lunch. With all due respect oh, yeah. to Terry Roger. Um yeah. So yeah, I mean I, I really think any one of those teams could pull off the upset. Like the Wizards will get John Wall back soon. The Heat, I mean it feels like smoke and mirrors with them a lot of the time, but they're good. Like they just—they don't have any one true superstar, but they just have like eight or nine really legitimately good players, which makes them kind of harder to beat. Like it's not like Toronto last year where you shut down Lowry and DeRozan and they, their head falls off. Like Miami, if you shut down Whiteside, all right, cool. Like Tyler Johnson and Josh Richardson and uh, James Johnson can beat you.
1: So. One thing here about Miami, right? Mm. Because as you just alluded to, they have no superstar. Yeah, the Heat right now are projected to having zero picks in this draft, Mm. zero picks. Oh, because the Garnett trade. Huh? Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. So when you look at that, and you go, "Oh, they have like the roster with all the role players just ready. They just need like someone who's featured, like Mm. a superstar." not having draft picks is just oh that is just (laughs) not good planning yeah because that entire team is just there waiting for someone to step up and go oh hey hi i'm a star and everyone there you're you're there for me i mean i have spot up shooters i have defensive oriented guys i have rebounders i have hard screen setters i have everything Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's quite unfortunate yeah,
2: that I guess they wanted Hassan Whiteside to be that guy, but he's just yeah, not. Yeah, the quite silence there. is deafening. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah,
1: and and getting Dwayne Wade back is, it's fun and all, but right.
2: I mean, he's had some good offensive explosions, like he single-handedly killed the Sixers one night. But yeah, yeah. I know, but, but but yeah, you know, he's
1: thirty-six. So right, right, right. right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm glad we agree that Boston is in real danger in the first round uh Mm -hmm. let's move to the Cavs. more we've talked about them recently so we don't need to go too far in depth on them but again they're they're in a battle for the number three seed they in all likelihood i I mean they're not going to play the sixers in the first round it's probably going to come down to indiana maybe washington maybe milwaukee do you think any of those teams have a chance to knock them off I mean,
1: yeah, honestly, because I'm kind of concerned. LeBron is doing everything he can at this point just to keep the team alive and afloat. And he is, uh, I believe, still a human being, potentially. In theory. And in theory. And, and human beings tend to get tired at some point Yeah, when they ex- assert themselves for so long. And he has for quite a period of time. And there is not really a whole lot of help in that rotation i mean kevin love has come back and and produced pretty fairly but not as like a second fiddle rodney hood has just been abysmal Mm -hmm. honestly larry nance has been good but he's low volume so i i could see a first round upset there and i'm glad we talked about because you right before we started recording i told you i had a hot take trade yes okay so at a lot of parameters have to be there. No oh boy. Okay. No, but yeah, but like, we, you and I have talked about this at length. That LeBron is probably more inclined to leave this summer, right? Right. Okay. So imagine him wanting to go to the Spurs. Like, mm-hmm. let's say LeBron just said, "You know what? Screw it. I just want to have a couple years under Pop just to see what it is like. Just what I want to experience the best coach of all time." Mm-hmm. And let's say that on the Spurs end you learn that Kawhi just does not want to return to San Antonio. Mm -hmm. And remember, if LeBron leaves, he leaves. Like, there's no way, you know, you you get anything for him. Mm -hmm. And the Spurs don't really have the cap space. So a sign-and-trade LeBron for Kawhi straight up.
2: (laughs) Oh, it!
1: (laughs) No, but, like, think about it. Kawhi insists he does not want to re-sign with the team. He does not want to return. Uh Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think both teams would do it. Yeah, but, I think but I'm you,
1: just saying that I, I th- could be fun.
2: I think Sarah, the sound you just heard is Sarah blocking you on Twitter forever. I know,
1: I know, but <laughs> I I know, and I apologize to Sarah. Okay, no, I don't, but <laughs> close to it. No, but it, it's it's an interesting you know thought experiment, though, because LeBron, I have to assume, would be interested in playing for pop. He loves pop. Yeah, right. And if Cleveland bows out in the first round, he would definitely want to go somewhere mm-hmm. where you know you have an established culture. And with all the unknowns of Kawhi running about. Come on. Get with me on this one.
2: No. I'm, no, I'm, not. <laughs> I'm not not caving. I also I just don't see why LeBron like I don't know joining, I guess, joining that Spurs team. They'd be right it in there fit. But like Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not concerned about the fit. It's just like, I just don't understand why he would go west. And I'm not saying that just because I want him to go on the Sixers. But, like, if you go to the west, you have to play Golden State and Houston, one of those two, if not both, before you even get to the finals. Like, go, Go stay in the East.
1: Pop love, man.
2: I know, but. He, he can play in the Olympics in 2020. There, there you go. You can play for pop then. <laughs> <laughs> That's you want to r- win rings, homie. Stay in the East and you can win your rings.
1: I, I just I just want this chronicle because if it happens, we'll go back to this episode. That's fair. Yeah. yeah okay, good.
2: Just like if he goes to the Sixers, I'm going to stunt on everyone for the next 15 years.
1: Oh, uh, and you know what? You know who's also going to be stunted in his development? Ben Simmons.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, but on the Cavs' note, I mean, I, I, mean, we've talked, you know, I think a couple episodes ago that our biggest fear out of them was inconsistency. Since that episode, though, Kevin Love returned and has looked like he missed no time at all. Like, he's been great since coming back, and they've picked up big wins over Milwaukee, over Toronto. Mm-hmm. That, that Toronto game was a playoff game. Like, that it was won. an excellent game on both sides. So, you know, they've won... Six of their last seven, four of which came against Phoenix twice, Chicago, and Brooklyn. So I'm not taking too much stock in that. But I, I I feel more confident about Cleveland right now than I do Boston. Like If Cleveland gets the three, I think they're in the conference finals no matter what.
1: I mean, yeah, I, I too feel more confident in Cleveland than Boston. But I'm just saying that Cleveland, given... That the, the the way that they're using LeBron right now and playing him that many minutes, yeah, just is kind of concerning. Uh, I wouldn't be like if he has just one of those games where he's tired and can't produce, mm-hmm. they lose. Yeah. He has to be on you know the A plus LeBron James scale caliber greatness, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. for them to win at this point.
2: Take yeah. him
1: out of the equation and they become what like a twenty three win team.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, the problem for them is they have a, ga- a game lead over the Sixers right now for the three seed. You're going to want... Both of those teams are desperately wanting the three seed, so you can avoid Toronto until the conference finals. But, as I mentioned earlier, Philly has an absolute cakewalk schedule the rest of the season. Cleveland, on the other hand, they are at Miami Tuesday night, back-to-back at Charlotte Wednesday then have a four-game home stand against New Orleans, Dallas, Toronto, Washington, at Philly next Friday, and then close out with a home-and-home against the Knicks. So, I mean, they, they have a bunch of, like, you know, Miami could be tricky. New Orleans is very much playing for something as well. Oh, yeah. Tor-
1: I think they're going to drop the, the one against the Pelicans. Yeah.
2: And then, like, Toronto, I, I think those guys are going to go all out again. I think they mm-hmm. want to set a tone. Washington same thing like and Philly like all of those teams have something to play for the only ones that don't on their schedule are Charlotte Dallas and the two games against the Knicks so it makes me nervous if they slide to the 4 and frankly it should make Toronto <laughs> nervous too cuz that would suck if whatever team I mean I think Toronto and Cleveland are the two best teams in the East right now with Kawhi or with Kyrie sidelined mm. so it would suck if those two teams have to play in the conference semifinals and whichever team in the two, three bracket just gets to kind (laughs) of march its way to the conference finals. Um, uncontested provided that the Celtics go down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it, you know, everyone's talking about the Western conference playoff race, but the East has some pretty fascinating implications as well, especially with the Kyrie injury. So there's a lot to monitor there. Uh, in the coming days and weeks as well. So, Moy, let's move now to the Raptors. Any big concerns there for you?
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing at all. Not sure what that should be. DeRozan is still healthy. Kyle, yeah. Kyle Lowry is still healthy. Serge Bacca is still healthy. Jonas Valanciunas is still taking threes. I'm, I'm digging what they're doing.
2: So... Here are my two concerns for them. And neither of them are that big. Like, again, much like Houston, I think Toronto should be favored to make it out of the East and make it to the finals with all due respect Mm -hmm. to Cleveland and what they've done. I think Toronto has proven itself as the best team in the East this year. Two things do worry me, though. One, I fear a reversion to the isolation hero ball kind of play that they had last year when they are in close games in the waning moments. I saw a little uh-huh. bit of that in that Cleveland Toronto game the other night. It felt like Kyle Lowry and like ball movement kind of died out on a few possessions. And if they revert to that at the worst possible time, uh, that could be an issue. And then we've talked right, about right, but
1: hasn't that has that been a concern all year though? Like, y- yes, hasn't that been in the back of your mind at all? But like when you asked me if there's any concerns, I was thinking outside of you know what everyone is concerned about, which is what you just said.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it has been, and they've, you know, they're 74 games in and they've proven most of the time that they're, they're good and they're sticking to the system. But I think that is, you know, it's an underlying issue, at least worth, as you said, keeping in the back of your mind.
1: Oh yeah. Absolutely. No, in that case, I agree with you. Then I have that concern. I was just thinking about, okay, if you have any new concerns, because that one I feel has been a thing since the start of the season. Even when they changed their offense, you you just you're still like, I have to see them prove it in the playoffs right. until they they've delivered that I'm still cautious about it. But I mean, look at them right now. If, if you disregard that concern, they're just bloody excellent. I oh mean, yeah, yeah,
2: right. I, this is again, it's not a enormous concern because I I think. They're the best team, and I don't think we're going to see that. But, you know, mm. it, the fact that I saw a little bit of it in that Cleveland game at least like raised a minor alarm. Um, and then the other thing is that, you know, we've mentioned repeatedly how damn good Toronto's bench is. But as we've also seen in playoffs past, a lot of teams adopt a Tibbsian approach once the playoffs roll around. And, Starters go from the low 30s to the high 30s or even the Mm -hmm. low 40s in terms of minutes. So, Dwayne Casey has come out and said he's not going to change his rotation. He's going to stick with his bench. They've been producing all year. But those guys are going to have less opportunities now against fellow reserves. Like, there's a difference between, you know, doing that against a Rodney Hood versus a LeBron James. So,. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I no mean, no right, right so like yeah toronto's bench and yeah. depth is a weapon and it's a great resource yeah but i do worry i mean um. you know that that five-man lineup of cj miles jacob pertle pascal siakam fred van vliet and delon wright they have the second best net rating of any five-man lineup that's played at least 250 minutes they're at 21 plus 21.3 so, like, they've been absolutely killing it all year. This is no disrespect to that bench unit. But again, it's a little bit different when you're going against fellow reserves versus going against, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers starting five.
1: Yeah, I don't, I'm honestly not concerned about the starting five in Cleveland outside of LeBron. Yeah. Well, Kevin Love. I'm, he... I'm not nervous about Kevin Love. Look. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like you know what you're gonna get. He never drives the basketball. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know how to close him out. What you don't know is the is what the freight train LeBron James is gonna do. <laughs> right. Like he is so unpredictable. He's the whole, he's the engine. Is that I legitimately think that like I mentioned just a couple of minutes ago, that Cleveland would be a 23 win team without him. That mm-hmm. uh, they would be dreadfully predictable.
2: Yeah.
1: And and George Hill. Just so we don't forget, has actually played worse for Cleveland than he did in Sacramento all year.
2: Yeah. Well, okay. So then, well, disregard the Cleveland example. Say in the first round, say you get Milwaukee. Like, you're going to have to. Now, see, go against, now you're talking.
1: Yeah. Right. Because now you're going right. to
2: have to go against Giannis and Chris Middleton and yeah. Bledsoe. And maybe, I mean, in theory, Malcolm Brogdon will be back by the time the playoffs start. So.
1: That's because you're going up against length, athleticism, mm-hmm. creativity, which you know the cleveland supporting cast has virtually none of right so yeah absolutely like that's le- that's a legitimate threat
2: yeah or miami too you got josh richard josh richardson james johnson mm. Dragic, Whiteside. white side comes back olenic yeah tyler johnson
1: oh yeah tyler johnson's been good recently
2: yeah, yeah. Wayne-, wayne ellington yeah. off the bench i mean like
1: Mm-hmm. you know oh he's my crush by the way is he spoiler nice. good
2: good yeah. and then like philly too you know philly's philly's starting lineup about again among teams with or five-man lineups with at least 250 minutes they're third in the league they're mm-hmm. with a net rating of 21.1 so like if you've got toronto's reserves against some combination of covington and beat reddick sarge and simmons like Again, well, I guess we'll we'll see two of the best three lineups in the league going against each other. So it could be fun, you know. If the Philly slips to four, it's at least a possibility. So again, none of these are enormous concerns. I am much more concerned about the Warriors and the Celtics. I'd say in terms of my overall panic, I'm right. Celtics is number one. Yeah. Warriors is number two. I guess Warriors and Cavs are kind of in the same tier, just because.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: I mean, I, the Warriors still have a lot of talent. I just have no idea what to expect out of the Cavs, and then the Rockets and Raptors. I'm probably like slightly more concerned about the Raptors than I am the Rockets, but I'm not all that concerned about either team. This is just, I like, had yeah,
1: yeah I, I hadn't thought about putting it in tiers. And regarding Boston, I'm just not worried because I think it, I think it, their circumstances are just so special that it doesn't matter like i mentioned earlier if they are swept or whatever so they're not even on my list mm-hmm. i would i would have cleveland um up top and that that's really the only one i've, I've given any consideration of because mm-hmm. i think they are overplaying lebron i think lebron's quest to go for 82 games just because is silly mm-hmm. and i have a feeling that if he if he collapses and just is less effective in the playoffs not that i expect him to be but there's always this concern and given that he's 33 i mean you just can't rule that possibility out Mm -hmm. i i think that just leaves them completely naked completely yeah so that that they are my like they are you know light years ahead (laughs) in terms of of my concern regarding them um, and then everyone else. I'm, I'm not really concerned about Houston at all. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm concerned about Golden State to an extent, but it, they're also coached by Steve Kerr, right. and I have tremendous faith in Steve Kerr as a coach and as a human being. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a feeling that whatever adversity they're going to bump into, like he's got the correct approach to it because he's just so damn smart that it's making me jealous. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, Cleveland to me is just the one team i'm looking at consistently and going uh oh
2: yeah yeah i mean my panic for the warriors aside from just steph being out is like i just think whoever the most likely whoever they're going to draw in the first round is like a legitimate team it's better than a typical yeah. seven seed so it's more just like oh shit they're, they're in for a real series no matter what just because the west has been so competitive more so mm. than just you know, I think they're like definitely I could see that. screwed yeah. without Curry. But yeah, I guess it'll really depend on matchups. Like if if they get Spurs or Minnesota in the first round, I'm not all that concerned given those teams' respective issues as well. So, we're, I'm sorry for spoiling your crush already, but do you want to explain why you're crushing? I I,
1: I, I think I spoiled my crush. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You did. Yeah, I did. Uh, so yeah, yeah Wayne Ellington. I was just, the thing was. um he had an eight-point game uh, two days ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw some of it, and, and I saw someone on Twitter uh, say, "Oh, that was an, an unusual bad game from Wayne."
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I kind of thought about it and was like, "That's that's actually accurate. Like mm-hmm. he's been he's been so solid all year long." and i I thought even though he's he 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 hasn't had like the most impressive week or whatever i just thought you know he deserves to have his name mentioned Mm -hmm. during this season and i've just picked out his last eight games as an example now 14.4 points a game on for in 30 minutes he's hitting 3.8 shots from behind the arc at 42.3 percent and Despite averaging 30 minutes and 11 and a half shot attempts and one and a half assists, he's only turning the ball over once. He's he's one of those guys who's just spotting up and hitting shots and not turning the ball over. And I, I don't have a number on this, but I would love to see how little time he spends with the ball in his hands. Because mm-hmm. compared to how little time he spends on the ball, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that he's one of the most efficient players in the NBA in terms of points produced. When averaged it into how many seconds he's holding the basketball, yeah. because it's just he's so efficient. And having those guys who can come in, not you know take up a lot of possessions, but just be ready to shoot, mm-hmm. they're so valuable.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, the Sixers have proven it with Reddick and Bellinelli the whole year. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Bellinelli handles the ball a little bit more, and yeah, he does true. it well. So, yeah. so yeah. But I, I get your sense of it. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I mean catch and shoot guys in general. Like it, yeah. you can't always just relate on guys creating off the dribble for themselves. Like having someone who can catch and shoot is an enormous gift. I mean, shit, look at Ray Allen back with the Heat and Celtics exactly. before that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and 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 the, and the beauty of it again, that's why I mentioned the turnovers. Is when you when your role is just catching and shooting the ball, it also lowers the risk of turning the ball over, which is just such a huge thing in today's league, right. especially when you go into the playoffs where one single turnover can just change the whole game. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the whole three and D evolution is also going to, to look at this issue. I think I think you, you when you have a very secure superstar and you just flank him mm-hmm. with a bunch of three and D guys. Yep. I, I would expect that overall turnover rate just to go down. So it's, it's really interesting to see.
2: Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. He's a very good pick more, um, I think I need to cheat, actually. I was going to do one guy, but I think we need to do two. So, And they're both, actually, ironically, replacements for guys who we expressed concerns about this episode. So, mm-hmm. one is Quinn Cook, who he's moved into the starting lineup, uh, I guess now eight games ago, in place of Curry. Then went back to the bench when Curry came back, and then went right back to the starting lineup Sunday against the Jazz uh, didn't do all that much in his first three games as a starter. He had 25 points combined. But over his last five, he's at 20.6 points, 5.2 assists, 5 rebounds, almost three threes and a steal and a half per game. So, you know, we expressed concern about Curry being gone uh, in this episode. But if Quentin Cook continues to produce at, that, at this rate, it's going to be less of an issue. That said, I mean, also KD and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green have been out, so he's not going to continue to produce at this rate when those guys come back. But, I mean, you know, compared to he didn't really play all that much the rest of the year. So just knowing he's capable of producing like this. um, Will Gottlieb of Bleacher Report had a piece about him yesterday, I believe, and he spoke with Steve Kerr who's just like, yeah, man, we've, we've been encouraging him to shoot 20 or, we, you know, we, we know like right. based on our personnel right now, you need to score 20 or 25 a game. Like we've been encouraging him to shoot. And Cook has said like, that's been huge for his confidence as well. Cause he bounced around the league the first couple of years. He's mostly been in the D league, played really well there. I think he was a two-time D league all-star. Um, so he's, you know, he's been successful over the last couple of years. He just hasn't found a place to latch on. And then he's saying, like, going to the Warriors, you're just, like, trying not to step on anyone's toes because you're playing with four All-Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, like, Steph to be uh, – he had some quote about, like, Steph told him, like, I don't care if you're 0 for 25 on that 26 shot. Don't hesitate. Just pull up. And yep. for, like, for Steph to be delivering that message, you know, he – Quinn Cook could be a real X factor come playoff time for the Warriors. So shouts to him.
1: Shouts to him. Okay. Before you reveal your next one, yeah, I just want to because you just mentioned Quinn Cook's last five games. Yep. Now, and you just read the set. I'm just going to repeat it because people might have gotten. Yeah. Twenty point six points a game, five boards, five point two assists, fifty two percent from downtown, downtown on five and a half attempts in thirty seven minutes. Okay, that that's that's an all star line right there. Right. But in those five games that was only his 34th to 38th career game. Mm-hmm. Now what's interesting about that had that been a rookie who over a five game period had averaged those numbers, Twitter would have gone absolutely batshit insane <laughs> yeah called this guy a huge Hall of famer yep. started like breaking off you know the team that he played for just to rebuild it around this guy mm-hmm. but because this is a person who's bounced around, there isn't like a similar response like you look at the age oh he's 25 oh he's bounced around he was signed to training camp deals he played in the g league he was you know in summer league and whatnot Mm -hmm. then these type of players are forgotten Mm -hmm. and i hate that they are because it just proves that there is value to be found in those guys and i want the i want nba teams to pull the trigger on these type of guys more so than go back to like some old washed up players during the summer and go hey mr (laughs) 20 year old vet like do you want to come here for the veterans minimum just screw that look at look at what you've got yeah look at those players you can find and i remember like i'm just gonna pimp our us too because you and i were all in on quinn cook last year we said some some team should Mm -hmm. sign this guy We wanted Quentin Cook. We did not understand why Quentin Cook was not given a proper chance somewhere. Yeah. Look at what's happening right now. And that's for the defending champion. So NBA teams out there, just go find these guys. They are out there crying out loud.
2: Yeah. I mean, the Warriors signed him to a two-way deal. And we saw this with Tyrone Wallace with the Clippers earlier this year. Exactly. Yeah. Like there is talent out there. And hopefully these two-way deals, we've seen a couple – huge success stories this year so hopefully yeah. that continues to facilitate that type of development moving forward but right. yeah I mean in this first year of these two way deals you know the Warriors and Clippers are sure as hell happy these exist now I'll say that much mm-hmm. uh, the other crush I am I, begrudgingly doing this but I have to give props where props are due Terry Roger over his last eight he's been starting or no sorry last seven he's started uh, similar stats to Quinn Cook, frankly: eighteen point six points, six rebounds, nearly five assists, nearly four threes. Ironically, shooting better from three-point range—forty-one point seven range, percent—than he is overall, thirty-nine point six during that stretch. Um, but you know, in Kyrie's absence, he's played—he's played really damn well. And you know, we've made countless jokes about uh, Danny Ainge and his. Steadfast refusal to trade Terry Rozier, no matter what. You know, it's been a popular uh-huh. meme of, oh, LeBron James for Terry Rozier. No, you need to throw in another something else. For that <laughs> uh, But to Ainge's credit and to Rozier's credit, he's showing why. You know, this you don't want to give up a guy who could produce like this. Like this is one hell of an insurance policy when a guy like Kyrie goes down. He's signed for one more year. Uh, on his rookie deal I'll be really damn interested to see what happens with him in the summer of 2019 Mm -hmm. but in the meantime Mm -hmm. deserving shoutouts Terry Rozier begrudging deserving shoutouts
1: to to be fair though Mm -hmm. like I don't think anybody made fun of Rozier's talent no I I loved him coming out of Louisville right I absolutely loved him I I mean at that point in time I thought he would he was maybe taken just a little bit too high at Mm -hmm. 16 yep but I mean, that was just a small thing. Yeah. I, I would much rather see Boston give him an expanded role and hand a lot, a big chunk of Marcus Smart's minutes to him mm-hmm. instead because he's just that much more productive. Yeah. So, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Shout out to Terry O'Shea. Good pick, Brian. I'm, they, I'm all in on that one.
2: Yeah. I mean, they they deserve it. And, you know, if if Boston and Golden State survive these first round threats it's gonna be in large part because of quinn cook and terry roger so yeah Mm -hmm. those guys deserve props as we head down the stretch here so until next time you can follow us on twitter at the nba pod uh our twitter handles are in our bio so give us a follow as well you can also find us on itunes so please subscribe download leave some five-star reviews we'd love any feedback and as a reminder, we are being hosted on FanRag Sports until the end of the month. So for now, you can follow them on FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FRS Hoops with a Z. And then please, please, please subscribe via iTunes if you're on Apple or whatever Android apps you use. I'm sure more, we'll fill those in shortly. Um, but we will be... Pocket
1: hooked. Cast and... Yeah, Pocket Casts and Podcast Addict.
2: Perfect. Yeah. So we, we will be... Posted somewhere else come Monday. If you subscribe to our feeds, that transition should be seamless. If you don't, you'll have to follow us on Twitter or follow Mort and I as well to get updates on when the new episodes come out. But just do yourself a favor and subscribe to the feeds. Make it easy. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined as always by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort.
1: You too, Brian. I'll probably declare for the NBA draft since the annual ball did too.
2: <laughs> Good. Yeah, I, I think you have an equal chance of being drafted.
1: Oh. Oh. Aw. <laughs> Later, Mark. <laughs> Later. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance.
0: clearance.